Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. So first of all, I want to say from Suzanne and I a huge thank you uh, for last weekend. It was a wonderful ending to 35 years of ministry and 35 years of this church. And, uh, you know, it's good to celebrate. It's biblical to celebrate. It's, it's, it is the kingdom to take time to rejoice in what the Lord has done when you turn around and look and go, wow, look what the Lord has done in me or in us. Um, that is right. And so I want to just say a huge thank you that you were a part of that. And uh, we, we completed, but we're not through. Amen? So as we uh, celebrated last week uh, and look forward to today, really today is the beginning of the uh, 36 year. Actually, uh, calendar wise, we actually started the church on this weekend uh, 35 years ago. Thir- is that right? Yeah, 35 years ago. Labor Day weekend. But after the 25th anniversary, we just got tired of fighting the holiday, so uh, Tad and them decided to move it up a week. So we, uh, uh, we, we celebrate last week, but today is actually the, the anniversary. So today is actually the ending of 35 years and the beginning of our 36th year. And I am really thankful that uh, the kingdom is, is not uh, single uh, generational. It's multi-generational. And and we're already in this house. We're already three, four generations into this house. And and, uh, we have children that that were part of JAM 25 years ago that are teaching at the Rock School or own their own businesses. And their children are now uh, getting ready, some of them, to graduate from high school. Uh, It's just amazing to me that kids I married uh, are now, their children are getting married, and I'm like, I'm getting old. <laughs> but uh, with the alternative being uh, leaving this world, I, I don't mind getting old, amen? And we're all getting old. If you're living right now and breathing, you're uh, one second older than you were a second ago, and that's just how life goes. And, uh, but as we look uh, into this coming season, this year, um, I am... Uh, I just asked the Lord this week, because I really vacillated all week. Jamie was ready to preach. Nigel was ready to lead worship. We were a get-go. We were ready to go. And Friday night, I uh, called, text Jamie, and I said, I think I'm going to, I think I need to do it. And uh, I knew I did, but um, I was just, you know, dealing with pride. Is it, could y'all just forgive me for dealing with pride? I know the rest of y'all never do. All you Gator fans already are all puffed up. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! But uh, <laughs> just one game, okay? Uh, but yeah, you know, all of us as Gator fans are happy. We're excited about that. But uh, the, 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 the greater picture is what, what has eternal value that brings us every bit as much excitement as that interception did last night. Amen? I mean, I watched 90,000 fans on TV going crazy. And I'm okay with that as long as is rocks aren't crying out in worship to God because they've given it all to the football team. Amen? 
I actually saw, I was watching the game, and, and every once in a while, you know, they pan the stadium, and I actually saw a couple of men that I know, and so I, I kept rewinding it and trying to get it paused right on the, and they were going nuts, though. Oh, I can't wait till I see them next. I'm going to ask them if they love Jesus that much. But as I was praying, um, I felt like the Lord put a word uh, in my heart for us today uh, as we look towards our future. And uh, it's just five simple points. They're probably stuff you've all heard before and scriptures you've read before. But as I was just asking the Lord for uh, this coming year, in the midst of all that everybody's going through, whatever your battle, whatever your journey is, you're, you're walking in faith every day uh, to live victorious. Would you say amen to that? You're walking in faith every day to live victorious. And so, and we're called to live victorious in, in the middle of our battles. Besides three of you, come on, somebody agree with Dana. In the middle of our battles, we, we are called to be victorious because he's already won the battle for us. So if we don't quit, we don't back up, we don't throw in the towel, we don't wave a white flag, um, we have every right to walk in victory. And so uh, as I was thinking about back in May, I started that message out of John 14, um, Jesus said, and uh, we went all the way to August the 7th with Jesus said. I could go till next August the 7th and still be talking about what Jesus said. Uh, and, and yet, uh, this morning, um, I'm going to tell you what George said. Now, before you freak out and think that I'm positioning myself next to Jesus, I'm not. Because everything I'm going to say is right out of Scripture. Can you say amen to that? So you don't have to worry. I'm not, you know, uh, up here trying to say, look at me, because as I have just meditated on these things, really, these five things are for me, uh, and I'm going to share them with you, and if you decide by faith you want to take it and begin to question and challenge yourself uh, for what God has for you and for us, then that's your choice. Uh, so I want to give you five things that I believe as we have wrapped up 35 and moving into 36 that the Lord is saying to us. And I'm going to just have to limit uh, a couple of minutes to each one of these. And so the first one is this. Let me just pray. Father, I depend upon you this morning. I'm thankful for your goodness, your mercy. I'm thankful for your great love in our life. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan for everyone in this room. Everybody that's a part of this house, you have a purpose for their life in this house, through this house, and out of this house. And I'm thankful today uh, for the confidence and the promise of your word that is yes and amen to us that believe. We give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one last thing before I get into this. Uh, also, Suzanne, I want to thank all of you for your incredible, generous offering to us last week. Uh, it blessed us tremendously, and I just appreciate your heart and the cards that many of you uh, sent or gave us. We love you guys. Thank you. So number one, love God, love people. I think I preached a, a, a few weeks on that subject uh, in the last couple of years or so. But loving God, obviously, 
is, uh, I believe, the desire of, of our hearts. Amen? And in the process of loving God, learning that I can't love God without being obedient to God. Can I get as many amens for that as the, the love part? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And obedience causes you to surrender yourself and say, God, I, I, I not only verbalize that I really love you, but, but I, I want to be that one that Jesus didn't say, why do you, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But, but you don't do what I say. Amen? So to love God uh, obviously comes out of God first loving us. Can you say amen to that? He first loved us, therefore it enabled us to grow in our love for him. And the more we recognize all that he did for us, the sin that he saved us from, the, the destiny that he created for us, and, and eternal life that he's promised to us, all those things make us really appreciative of his love for us. That God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, and Jesus so loved the Father that he was willing to come and lay down his life for you and me. That's love. No greater love hath any man than a man that would lay down his life for another. Jesus laid down his life for the whole world, even when the whole world won't receive him. Jesus knelt down right before his death on the cross, and he washed the feet of the man who was going to betray him. And, and, and I believe that his love for Judas, I can imagine him looking up in the eyes of that young man as he finished washing his feet and say, go do what you have to do. Because he had already surrendered his soul to the enemy. But Jesus loved him. So we love God, but, but then we love people. Hear me, all people, Democrats and Republicans. The media, you might dislike them, and you might dislike their actions. But just like before you were saved, the sin in you made you ugly. God loved you so much that in your ugliness, he was willing to give his son. Jesus didn't die for the righteous. He died for the unrighteous. Those of us with ugly black hearts. And when we talk about loving God in the house, and especially I think in, in seasons like this, every two years, every four years, we go through this political thing in America, and it's necessary, and, and many of us don't like all the ramifications that come out of it and the stirring of anger and hatred and all, but believers ought not to change from day to day. We, we have to grow in our love for Christ in such a way that we can meet someone that believes completely the opposite and love them and have an impact on their life. The book I shared with y'all a couple of weeks ago, I finished reading this last week. In the end of it, he really, he's, he's got a degree now, in a master's degree in seminary, and so he writes like a, 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 obviously a very learned person, and he's sharing all of these scriptures and his thoughts on all the questions of the lifestyle that he lived. 
and now biblically how he sees that lifestyle. And yet his love for those friends that he came out of that lifestyle that he lived in, his love for them has never changed. And therefore, the impact he's been able to have, even coming out of a lifestyle that he had come out of, impacted greatly because he hates their sin because he hated his sin. But he loves them. And he loves them in such a way that, that it impacts strangers. That's what we're called to do. Joshua chapter 23, verse 11 says, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Now, obviously, verse 11 comes after verse 1 through 10. And in those 10 verses, the Lord is really challenging um, uh, Israel to uh, walk in obedience. And, and, and then he comes to this verse and he says, Be careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Be careful. Why is he warning them to be careful? Because if we're not careful, we can become so religious that we lose the freshness of our first love and our relationship with the living Christ. And then we just become religious. And you know what? Religious people are the meanest people in the world. They're just mean. If you want to know if you're mean or not, or religious or not, just look around and see if you have any friends. Do you drive people away, or are you a magnet in Christ and in his love that people want to be around you? They want to experience what they see in you. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he writes, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. How many of you know that's a lot of loving? I mean, I, I remember one time Suzanne and I were talking, and, and she said, honey, I don't know if, if I love God with all, with all of that. And I mean, it's, it's really, a, it's an honest assessment of, is my life portraying, do I really trust God with all my heart, soul, mind, body, and, I mean, that's everything, there's nothing left. When this doctor was cutting this thing out of my head the other day, there were two doctors, and, and I did not know that you have let se seven layers of skin between your top skin and your skull, and every one of them have a name. I'm sitting there learning something while this guy's cutting, and, and blood's squirting everywhere because they, they had cut three blood vessels, and, and I was freaking out. I mean, I feel the blood, you know, dripping off my ear, and, and I'm thinking, is that too much, Dana? Sorry about that. Uh, but he's like, oh, it's, this is no big deal. We do this every day, and, you know, clamp, give me a clamp, and, you know, give me, and I swear I thought he had said like seven clamps, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to bleed to death. <laughs> and, but he said later, he said, no, there was only three. He said, they were just flopping all over the place, and, and so... They're trying to get them clamped off, and, and, you know, I'm asking questions. Are you going to solder that or whatever you do, smoke it, burn it? What's the word? Carterize. You're going to carterize that thing. And, and all of a sudden, I realized that the guy that's sewing me up is not the same voice as the ones before. I was like, 
because he's asking me questions about a couple of people. He asked about Pastor Ed and Karen's daughter, Corey, and, and then so I said, well, did you know Jessica Brantley? She's my daughter-in-law. And, and so we get in this conversation, and I'm trying to discern who is back there, you know, and, and, and I find out it's the PA later. He comes in, and he had come in behind the two doctors that were working when they were through and got what they needed. They went out, and he starts, you know, getting everything uh, shut down. And, and he said, yeah, I'm the one that sewed your vessels back up. I said, you just sewed them. What if, what if the string comes out? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the what ifs. And, and, uh, but uh, he said, oh, no, it's, it's no problem. And, and they left it open, you know, for about an hour while they're going through all their stuff. And, and, uh, but they come back and they got all the, the, the junk out and they, they're going to sew me up and close it up. And, and, uh, and in the process of all of that, uh, having a conversation with someone about the deeper things of life and God just kind of flowed. One, I really appreciated what he was doing. <laughs> Except you ever tied your shoe up so tight and you feel it when you, you, on your foot when you pull the shoestring? I was like, whoa, dude, what are you doing up there? <laughs> It felt like he's taking the bottom half of my head and the front side and bringing them back together. And he said, well, that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> I said, well, can you do that without pulling so tight or something? He said, no, you want this tight and you want this finished correctly. And I'm thankful. I don't know if this guy knows God. I don't know if he loves God. But the Lord used him <laughs> to bless me. And in turn, you allow that love of God that's in you to go back and reach and touch and, and love them with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matter of fact, in one of the other points in a minute I'll get to, Jesus talks about and he says when he's talking about this love that we're to have for the Father, he has the audacity to say to us, dust of the earth. Oh yeah, not only love God, love your neighbor. We'll talk about who, you, you know, our neighbor is in just a moment. One last verse, Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So, it's a commandment. But it ought to be more than law to us. It ought to be life that says, day by day, no matter how old we are and how older we're getting, the process of saying, Lord, Anything inside of me that blocks me from loving you with everything, I want to know it. Reveal it. Open up my heart. Convict me where conviction needs to be. I don't want anything to hinder. Suzanne and I were talking the other day. We went for a ride and we were talking about our friends Joshua and Angel and, and Gabriella and Evangeline uh, and JJ uh, in China. And I said, you know, it, it grieves my heart, the thought that I might not ever get to see Joshua again this side of heaven. Because China and America and the problems and the inability to go down, that things are still so bad in China. Matter of fact, like Cuba, they're, they're worse than they've been in decades, especially for believers. And yet my love for him 
you know, we, we Zoom and we FaceTime each other and I get to see the kids and I'm watching them grow up and I, and I listen to their pianist recitals on Zoom and their violin recitals and, and I watch Joshua take his first step and, and, and they all call me Papa or Baba Papa and, uh, and you know, the, the love that I feel for them and yet the, I, the, the reality that this side of heaven is probably a good chance that we'll never get to see each other again embrace or hold but our love doesn't change and and our love for somebody that's easy to love is one thing but Jesus said we're to love our neighbor if I were to ask in here today how many of you even know your neighbor it'd be something we live in a society where you drive into your gated community and you pop the garage and it goes up and you pull in and it goes down and, and nobody sees you until they see your car leave and you don't see your neighbors very often either. Um, but there is that calling to our neighbors. I got to move on. Number two, invest your life into that which has eternal value. Invest your life. For all of you that are new in Christ, maybe the last five years, and, and you're still kind of walking in a honeymoon state and everything is just, you're just wonderfully, freshly saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and your journey is exciting and fun. Uh, man, that's wonderful, but five years and 10 years and 20 years and 40 years and 60 years later, uh, by the grace of God, you're still going to be walking and your desire is to walk in not only God's love, but, but to be giving your life, all of those years, all of those uh, uh, decades, um, giving your life to that which literally has an eternal reward at the end. You're, you're living your life always thinking about the now and the future. The past is over. There's nothing you can do about it. Repent where you need to repent. Make things right where you need to make it right. There's nothing about yesterday you can change. But there's everything about today and tomorrow. And if you're giving your energy and your life to something that really, when you weigh it in light of eternity, it really has no value. Meaning that you can work a job and not let that job become who you are. You can play a sport, you can have a hobby, but you don't allow those things to be who you are. Because everything about who you are needs to be and should be wrapped up in the purpose and the calling of God in your life. Everybody in this room that's saved has been called of God to the work of the ministry. That was six. I was going for seven amens. <laughs> See, the reason we don't shout amen, oh man, that, that was like the, the interception last night. That was powerful. The reason we don't respond that way is because when we accept that we've been called to the work of the ministry, not the five-fold pastoral apostle, a prophet, evangelist, and teacher. Uh, they're called to impart and to help us, sharpen us, help us to get ready to walk out the doors to our mission field because we're called to the ministry. No matter if you're a housewife, a 90-year-old person, a, a business owner, whatever your career is, 
is just your career. You're going to work it 20 or 30 years, 40 years, and it's going to be over. It's done. But not your life. And so when we begin to acknowledge that everything about my life is to be focused on the kingdom of God, then no matter what I'm doing, even in my career, God's using me to touch someone's life on a daily basis because he cares for all of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self, come on, is being renewed day by day. Doesn't matter what you're going through, even if it's a physical battle, you are being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Man, do we really believe that? This light affliction that I'm going through is nothing compared to the glory of God that's going to be manifested in us and through us. He said it's beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are unseen are transient, but the things that are, I'm sorry, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are what? Are eternal. So what oftentimes is the most important thing is not the thing you see with your natural eyes. Amen? But it's, it's what God has prepared you for such a time as this is. He's preparing us and he's preparing us. That's what gathering on Sundays is all about. We come, we have a, a, a righteous embrace with our brothers and sisters. We love one another. We see our connect group. We meet new people. We're hugging on people. We're trying to, to, to make sure we treat everybody the same with the love of God. And then we come into the house and we worship God and we honor him and we prepare our hearts for what? So that when the word is brought We're a sponge just ready to receive and learn and be taught. Every time you come to the house of God, doesn't matter who's on this stage, you should be preparing yourself for what this word is going to do to help you this week in your life. He's preparing you for something this week. In 1 John chapter 11, verse 12, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Can I ask you a question today? Do you have the life in you? Is it being manifested out of you to touch lives? That's what we're called to do. That's why I told the prayer team this morning in the hallway, uh, last week it was so vitally important. It is right to celebrate and rejoice and remember. I mean, almost everybody in this room last week had not been here 35 years ago when we started. Half the congregation weren't even alive, right? But yet, whenever the Lord brought you into this family, the minute you were joined and joined by Holy Spirit, everything from the past is rightfully yours now. And, 
And, and the, the moving on from there, I mean, yeah, I got so many comments and texts and cards and everybody saying, yeah, I've been here 22 years. Yes, I've been here 25 years. Yes, I've been here 35 years. And outside of my family and Tad and Missy, uh, Steve and Terry Hopkins, we talked last week after service. Uh, I think Steve and Terry came in on the sixth week of our church, the second week of October. It's amazing how I remember October of 1987. Because, you know, when we started the church first Sunday, we had 37 people. Woo, we were blown away. I mean, we expected 12, 37 showed up, 25 of them uh, came as a result of adding the paper. And so, uh, you know, that was just mind-boggling. But then we grew rapidly from 37 to 27 to 25 and to 20 on the fourth week. And the fourth week, Suzanne and I were in the prayer room after we had finished practicing uh, our, our singing and because uh, we were going to lead some singing and uh, uh, we we're in the prayer room and she walks in and, and she gets right up in my face and she says, if you don't repent of your pride, God's going to kill this thing before it ever gets off the ground. That was her word of encouragement. That was prayer. She was leading prayer that morning. <laughs> But what had happened was I, I had just made this decision, man. God's called us here. You know, I printed these 5,000 doorknob hangers. And, and, man, I'm out with the kids forcing them to walk. And, and we're getting chased by dogs. Called, the police are being called on us. We're being cussed out, you know. But, but man, I'm, I'm like, they're not going to come to church if they don't know we're here. And if dominoes can do this, I can do this. And so I'm out there, you know, I'm, I'm going to build this church. And. And Suzanne said, did the Lord really tell you to build this church? Or did he say, because I'm thinking that what I remembered you said to me was that Holy Spirit said, if you'll go and be obedient, pray over the north, south, east, and west, prophesy. If you'll preach the word without compromise, and if you'll obey me, uh, she said, I, I remember you saying that he said he would build his church. So she, she had to remind me of that. And I wasn't happy. And then, I don't think we prayed. I think she turned around and headed to the bathroom, said, I'll see you, see you in the library in a minute. And, and uh, so she walked out, and immediately, this conviction of the Holy Spirit, just like it was when, when the Holy Spirit used her to talk to me about my money situation when we had first got married. And so I said, Lord, I repent. Obviously, doorknob hangers are not doing it. And... And I'll never forget, he said, you can trust me. It's going to be my house. I'm not going to build it the way. You, you don't get this out of a book. You don't go follow some other man. You're not looking for mega church growth uh, ideas. He said, be faithful. I'm going to build my family, is what the Lord said. And that morning, I walked out, and Suzanne came back down from the bathroom. We walked in. I'm not sure if we spoke or touched or anything uh, before the end of the service, but, but I walked in, and we walked in, and on that fifth Sunday, there were 38 people. So there was the 37 plus one. <laughs> the Lord had brought them back. <laughs> and, uh, but Steve and Terry Hopkins have been here since, I, I'll, I'll never forget the, the day the door opened, they walked in, they had no kids, they later had four daughters, and, um, but we were just reminiscing last week about the goodness of God over these years, and that uh, the things that the Lord has brought us through to get us to where he's taking us, because he did not bring us out this far. Come on, Come on somebody. 
to leave us. If we will continue to obey and pray and prophesy and declare and be obedient, the Lord will use us to touch lives. And some of those lives will follow you to the house of God. Some of them will get saved. Some of them will not. Some of them will see their marriages healed and restored. Some of them will not. Some of them will see and experience physical healing. Some of them will not. But what's important is not that they did or that they didn't. It's that you were obedient to be the minister of God because you're giving your life to that which has eternal value. Amen? Number three, and it kind of tags with number two, uh, but I wanted a, a separate one for this. Live with a purpose or live intentionally. Live intentionally. Meaning that you really come to the place where you acknowledge, I really need to know what the Lord has for me because I want to be obedient to it. I want to live my whole life, get to the end, only to find out then that what I gave a year of my life or 10 years or 40 years to had no value because I was doing what I wanted to do instead of what he wanted to do. Amen? Some of you are looking at me with eyes like, Pastor, stop reading my mail. I'm, I, I'm not reading your mail. Holy Spirit loves us so much. And hear me, it's never too late to make things right. It's never too late to change in the middle of the stream so that you can be obedient to what the Lord has for you the rest of the days of your life. My greatest days are ahead of me. Your greatest days are ahead of you. You say, yeah, but pastor, I'm going through this and my hip hurts and my, and my leg hurts and my head hurts and my wallet hurts and my marriage hurts and everything hurts. Well, are you going to live in that or are you going to find out what destiny God has for you and to begin to walk out in faith the purposes and plans of God? You might be going through it, but it's not taking hold of you. It's not taking hold of you. You're saying, I, I, yes, I'm going through this, but this is not who I am. I made a mistake the other day in front of my wife and saying to someone that I, that I had cancer instead of I'm battling cancer or I'm fighting cancer or cancer ain't got nothing on me. I, I made this statement and immediately she said, no, 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 no. It, it's not your cancer. Amen. It's not my cancer. I don't want that cancer. I reject that cancer. I will cut that cancer out if I find that there's ability to cut it out. I will flush it out. I will wash it. I will do whatever because it's not what I'm embracing. It's not who I am. I'm not a victim of cancer. I'm an overcomer of cancer. I'm victorious through cancer. In the middle of the battle, whatever it is you're going through, you can either give into it or overcome it. Amen? Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined, listen to this, allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. That sounds like God knows who you are, how long he's allotted for you to live on this earth, and your boundaries or the places where he wants you to be busy about. See, your boundary is where God wants you to be instead of where you want you to be. 
I said kind of jokingly last week, many of you came to Gainesville uh, thinking you were here for four years and out of here, or some of you came because Holy Spirit prompted you to come and you didn't want to come, and you came kicking and screaming, but you obeyed and came. And God created this family called The Rock. And it's not just a church, it's literally the family of God. We've been joined and knitted to. And when you're joined and knitted and you love one another, guess what you're going to have? Problems. You're going to get all up in each other's face. You're going to hurt each other. You're going to say something you shouldn't say. You're going to have to repent. That's family. Religion and just being a part of a church, you come in, people see the back of your head. Oh, I wonder what happened to his head. I mean, if I were sitting out there today and had not said anything, just came in, sat in the middle, everybody on the back half of the church would be going, I wonder what happened to Pastor? Why has he got that big old Band-Aid on his head? What's under that Band-Aid? Well, now you know. (laughs) Every gory detail. Why? Because we're family and I don't care. I just put it out there. Amen? If your kids are sitting in this room, then they're obviously old enough to hear it, and you can explain whatever other details you need to. And sometimes you have to forgive Pastor because, oh, Pastor, you hurt my feelings, or oh, Pastor, you shouldn't have said that. I know. (laughs) But sometimes, sometimes Holy Spirit makes me say things. Sometimes I just say things. Don't blame it on the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't. I, I think Paul said that a few times. He said, uh, in his writing, he said, this is I, Paul, speaking, not the Lord. <laughs> and we have to discern that, right? When I read the Word, I discern, well, okay, I read that, and that's what Paul said, but I want to know what Jesus says. Amen? Come on, it's not that time. Really? Okay. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans for welfare and not for evil. Why? To give you a future and a hope. I had a divine appointment yesterday morning in Walgreens. And a man and I ended up standing, kind of weird, you know, you're standing side by side looking at the shaving stuff. And I don't even know why I stopped beside him because I wasn't looking for any shaving stuff. I just walked past him and stopped, and, and, and he pulls out this little pack of the old razors, the double-sided. I didn't even know they still made those. I hadn't seen one since my daddy threw his, you know, away. It's like, man, no way am I using that thing. I cut myself, cut my throat. I look like I'm trying to off myself or something. And, and so, you know, uh, I use those, woo, you just spin that thing around and, and, and uh, cuts that baby hair right off. But we're standing there, and we start chatting. I said, wow. Is that for like your dad or somebody? He was at my age. And he said, no, no, this is for me. He said, I only shave with this. He said, you can't find them anywhere. He said, this was the first pack I found. And so we get to talking about razors. And then I said something about my 99-year-old dad shaved like that until the nurse took it away from him. And he said, oh, my dad's 97. Wow, you know what happened, right? A conversation started. 99, 97, long life, man living the dream, walking it out. But allowing the Lord to use you just in a simple little way. Courage, touch, help someone. Number four, love this one. 
Can I just have 10 extra minutes this morning? Because I, I got to finish. Thank you. So just throw 10. Look at that, man. Those guys are amazing. Except I took four seconds of it to say that. Live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. Because it's not how you start. It's how you run the race and finish the course. The other day I was watching uh, some reruns of some races, long distance racing. And uh, this group of men, it, it was a long way. They, they looked like death warmed over. They didn't look like between 40 of them, they weighed 400 pounds. I mean, they just, you know, but they had been running at breakneck speed. And the guy that's winning, he is less than 50 yards from finishing. And all of a sudden, he pulls up his leg. And he starts falling to the ground. And the other guys are coming. And this precious, young, thin man, as he's running, and it looks like he's running past him for the victory, he runs over, and he stops, and he gets the guy, and he puts his arm around him. And they start walking, trying to run. Guy goes by, wins. Another guy goes by, wins. Three and four go by and win, and finally they cross over the line. That guy had every right to keep running his race in his lane and win the race. But obviously, something inside of him, he had the end in mind, and it wasn't a blue ribbon, something of more value. They'll talk about that young man long after anybody remembers who won the race. What was that guy's name? Who knows? Who cares? Did you see what that guy did when he helped his fellow runner from another nation? And he wrapped his arm around him. That's living with the end in mind. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord has called you, but he's also graced you. And he is right there taking your arm and wrapping it around his neck, putting his other arm around your waist. And he is with us till the very end. I believe that with everything that's within me. I'm not walking this race alone. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there in me to help me, to remind me that everything I need, He has already provided. Now it's all about me. If you're old in this place today, like older than me, you probably think about your last days more than these young couples that are in their 30s. They're just trying to figure out how they get four kids bathed and washed and in bed and up tomorrow morning for school and how do I feed them and what. I mean, there's so many things. 
Four kids, five kids, six kids, 10 kids, 12 kids here at The Rock in one family. We believe in family. <laughs> but no matter where you are in the journey, whether you're a young person, teenager, young person getting ready to go to college, going to college, if you can begin to live with the end in mind, it'll help you to not make a lot of foolish decisions and mistakes along the way. It'll help you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast. Everybody grab hold. Just hold fast. Hold fast, he said, our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in whom every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. You know how you ought to go before the Lord? Not under condemnation and guilt and the Lord can't even, I can't even look up, I'm, I'm so wicked. Well, if you're so wicked, get it right with Jesus. Repent, confess, ask the Lord to forgive you. Guess what? His blood was shed to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, past, present, and future. And if you begin to understand who you are in Christ, then you can go into the throne room of grace with all boldness. Because you're not going in who you are. I'm going in who he is. His blood cleansed me. His blood made me righteous. And because of that, I can come into his throne room boldly, boldly. For we do not have a high priest who is unable, but one who is in every respect has been tempted yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. How do I live my life with the end in mind? I live through the grace of God that has been provided that every single thing I ever have need of or everything I'm ever going to walk through, he's already provided the grace before I even need it. Before I was diagnosed with cancer, I never had grace for cancer. But today I have a grace that most of you do not have in here, and I hope you never have it. But you got to have grace for what it is you're going through. And what you're going through is every bit as important as what I'm going through. And how you overcome in it Walk in victory in it or walk in defeat is based upon do you appropriate by faith the grace of God? One more step, the grace of God. One more step, the grace of God. Until you have successfully walked in and through that which he has called you to do and to be about. Number five, last one. I have three minutes. Strong commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will create a great life, a fulfilled life, and a life without regret. If I were to ask right now this morning, how many of you want to live the rest of your life and not have regret, we would all raise our hand. It's all dependent upon the choices that we make, the decisions we make. And Jesus spoke about two Radically important things to him. I started with this and I will end with this. Jesus said, 
when asked about which is the greatest commandment. He didn't blink. He didn't scratch his head. He didn't think a while. He didn't, mm, mm, mm. He simply spoke, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The great commandment. And then at the end, the very last thing he says to the disciples, as he's telling them, now listen, you go and wait until you receive the Holy Spirit because what you've been called to do and to give your life for and what you're going to accomplish You cannot do without the Holy Spirit. So he's telling them, you go and wait. You don't run out of here and start trying to develop your ministry. You don't even know what ministry is. You go and wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you everything you need to know. And he says, and then go into all the world. How much of the world? And preach the gospel. And to them that hear and receive and believe, they shall be saved. But to them that don't, they won't. Don't waste too much time when Holy Spirit has helped you to do everything you need to do to impart into someone's life. When they reject Christ, move on. Don't ever stop loving them. But there is a multitude filled the Florida Stadium last night. Multitude of people. They're going to split hell wide open if somebody doesn't show the love of God. So having a strong commitment to this great commandment and having a strong commitment to his great commission will create in me a great life. A life that says when it's all said and done, I have run the race. I want to be like Paul. Okay, I want to be like Jesus. But both of those men, the Christ, declared it, and then Paul reiterated it. Therefore, you have every right to reiterate reiterate it. What did they say, Pastor? Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. I've done what the Father called me to do. And Paul said, as he's nearing the end of his life, he said, I've run the race. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. See, it doesn't matter what your journey is, and you might be on your way transitioning out of this world into the presence of God, still in the middle of a battle. But it does not hinder you from your destiny which is to walk out whatever it is God's called you to do. In the middle of the battle, you keep fighting. And if you do, I want to be able to say, I mean, I've actually thought about this. Some of y'all are like, that's weird. No, I've actually thought about my moment of death and transition. And I want to be livid and clear. And I want to be able to say, honey, Is there anything that you know of that I've left undone? Because I feel like I've run the race. I've finished that which God has called me to do. Therefore, if this is my moment, cry for me, but only for a little bit. Because I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. 
I want to finish well. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful. That's living with the end in mind. Amen? And if we do and if we will, the Lord will do strong and mighty things. And your life, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about your your life, you will say it's been a great life. It's been great. Because God has always shown himself faithful in my life. He loves us. And he's for us. I'm going to give you these scriptures. I'm not going to read them. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Mark 16, 15 through 20. And Matthew 22, 36 through 38 are the verses for that fifth point. But these five points, the Lord is saying to us, you celebrated, it was great. You don't want to be like David the king, who in the season of battle, he found himself on the balcony, patting himself on the back for all the good stuff they had done. See, last week was good. It was a great celebration. We don't want to hang out there. We're not coming back and redoing that this week and next week and for the fourth week. We're, we're saying, man, look what the Lord has done now. Let's get ready. I can't wait to see what he's about to do. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in my life today, my life this week, my life this month. What does God yet want to do in me and through me? I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're old or young, male or female. I'm telling you, if you're still breathing, God has a purpose, a plan, a future, and a hope for you. And he wants you to stir yourself to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to choose these things as a catalyst I'm going to finish. I'm going to live out my life with the end in mind. But I'm going to be busy about the Father's business till that time comes. Amen? Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you so much for your word that encourages us, helps us, strengthens us, builds us up, challenges us, convicts us. And this morning, Father, I just pray over the body of Christ here as this word has gone forth. That in each of our lives, whatever particular point, if not all the points, you're speaking these things into us. I pray over this incredible family, Lord, that we're willing to say, Lord, I'm opening up my heart. I'm opening up my ears. I'm opening up my spiritual ears. I want to hear what you have to say. Convict me where something needs to be changed. Help me because I'm choosing you. I'm living my life. I want to love you and I want to love my neighbor. I want, to, I want to live my life intentionally. I want to give myself to the purposes of God. Father, I want to live with the end in mind. I want, I want to live with hearing well done. Father, I want to continue to be obedient to all that you have. And the words that you spoke and you gave your life for, I want them to be life for me and for us. That we will have a strong commitment to the first and greatest commandment. We will have a strong commitment to the commission that you have commissioned all of us to live our lives, to be willing to receive those amazing divine appointments and opportunities daily, weekly to touch lives. Pray for each of us. 
in Jesus' name. Believers, I want to ask you to pray for just a moment. I want to speak to anyone in this room, those watching online this morning. If you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior of life, these things you've heard me preach, they sound good, they're principles, they, they, they're, they're something maybe you would even aspire to, but the, the bottom line is it all begins with your eternity being changed, interrupted by a decision that you would make based on the decision that God already made in that he first loved you. And because he loved you, he gave his son Jesus to come and to die on the cross so that in 2022, you would have an encounter with his love and that love would impact your life and you would say, I need Jesus to be savior of my life. If this morning you're sitting in this room, you're watching online, and that is where you are. You, you are at that place. The Lord has brought you here for such a time as this. And you want the rest of your life to count, but it begins here by dying to self. Dying in Christ so that you can be resurrected in Christ. So that you could live out the rest of the days of your life in victory and not defeat. Across this congregation, believers are praying, heads are bowed. It's just between you and Holy Spirit. But if this morning that is you, and you're willing to let me lead you in a simple prayer today, we're going to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. Right where you sit with no one looking, but Holy Spirit and me, would you just raise your hand and let me see that and let me lead you this morning in a prayer that will impact your life forever. It's the greatest single decision you ever make in your life. It's a decision that you have to consider because it's a, it's, it's a decision that will change everything about your life and your future. Yes, God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you, dear. You can put it down. Anyone else this morning? That's you today too. You're ready. You're wanting to receive. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. You're watching online this morning. I can't see if you raise your hand, but you can pray this prayer with us in just a moment. Moment, You can call the office. You can go online, therockonline.org. Communicate with our team. We want to help you. This is the beginning, not the end. The beginning of salvation, the beginning of a life change. Before I pray, anyone else today, you're ready to make this decision. All right, I'm going to invite the whole congregation Prayer team, come on down while we're praying. Pray this prayer with me out loud. Those of you that raised your hand, those that are watching online, pray this prayer with us. Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge today my need of you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm a sinner. I've been separated from you. But thank you that you pursued me, that you love me, that you gave your life for me. So today, I'm choosing you. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I confess by faith, my belief that Jesus is the Christ and that you died for me, Jesus. And so today, I receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, your healing, and your love. I choose this 
And I declare this to be my decision all the days of my life. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for these this morning that have responded to the word. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.